you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And while you're turning there, here's my question. Is anyone in here trying to get better at something right now? You're trying to be better at a skill. Oh, oh, that was a kind of a shy hand. What was that? Oh, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's, here, I'm going to get like four, four people. Haley, I see you there. Sympathy. Yeah, so like a character trait. You want to get better at being sympathetic. Love it. Yeah, Addison, I do want to go back. What do you got? like, I'm trying so hard to be better at not hitting the people sitting to my left or my right. <laughs> love that. Ashley, what you got? Throwing. Yeah, love it. It's so like a sport, right? You're trying to be better at doing something. Cruz, last one. What you got? Pokemon battles. You're trying to get better at Pokemon battles. Here's the funniest thing, though is that my personal illustration has is, is similar. Not exactly the same, but it's similar to that. Because we can all be better, like try to get better at something. Like whether it is a hobby or a sport or a character trait, um, like you're, you're trying to just improve and fill in the blank, whatever you're trying to do. So personally, a little bit about myself, um, is I have discovered a couple years ago that I have an extremely addictive personality. Like a horribly addictive personality. If I enjoy something, and I want, then like, I want to be the best at that. Like if, if it's a, a, a TV show, I'm going to do all the research to like trying to like, because it's, if it's my favorite thing, I'm going to dive in head first to know everything I can about that. I'm looking up the backstory of, I'm, I'm doing everything. Well, I start there to say like, one, I have to be really careful of what, you know, things I get enjoy because I just have to say no to cer certain stuff. But personally, a couple years ago, Lydia introduced me to board games, Okay. I, I we, you know, we played some, like, growing up, but nothing, like, super crazy in the board game world. Well, she got me addicted, and so, I'm not saying it's her fault, I'm not saying it's her fault, I'm just saying, she introduced me, and so, uh, last year, I got introduced to a new board game, and in the most nerdy way possible, I can own it, I'm just gonna say it, so in that way, you're not making fun of me, because I'm making fun of me. Guys, like, I've been addicted to a board game for, like, the last, like, two months. I, I've been watching YouTube videos on how to be better at it. I found a podcast. It has 57 episodes, each an hour and a half long, and I've listened to all of them in the last two months times one-eighth speed. I've been on it. I, oh, yeah. I, guys, I'm trying to get good at this game. Um, and I even play this game with a couple of the volunteers here. So I love you. Love you, Chris. See you tomorrow. Um, pray about it. But anyway, like, it, that, that's a thing right now that I want to get better at. And all of us on the same page, like, we, if you want to get better at whatever it is, a, a character trait, um, a thing that you don't share, a thing that you, uh, a hobby, or just a sport, whatever it is, you kind of need four things. And, and I listed three of them last year, but I added one to it, that if you want to get better at whatever it is, you need these four things. First thing, you have to have some kind of passion for it. Like, you have to genuinely enjoy it, right? You're not going to try to get better at something if you hate it, right? So that's the first thing. You have to enjoy it. Um, the second thing is you have to kind of learn what to do and or at least how to get better, whatever it is, from someone who knows what they're talking about, someone that's, uh, you know, where you want to be, someone who's just wiser, someone just further down the road in that area. Third thing is you have to have some kind of opportunity to practice what you know. And the fourth thing is you need to have some kind of time for feedback, okay? So 
those are just kind of the basic things of whatever you want to get better at, you need to have at least those four things. And so this is true for a hobby, a sport, but this is also true um, if it comes to loving Jesus. Like if you want to be a better Christian, if you want to grow with your relationship with Jesus, you also need those four things. Like you need to have a passion for it. Like no one can make you grow as a Christian if you don't want to do it. You know, it helps to, to grow as a Christian. If you have someone older and wiser kind of coaching you and kind of telling you, hey, this is what you do, this is what you do. You kind of, if you want to grow as a Christian, you need to have some opportunity to practice it. And if you want to grow as a Christian, you need to be able to have someone kind of tell you, kind of coach you, hey, you messed up here, but here's how we can fix this. And so uh, while we don't have time to kind of talk about all of these specific things tonight, we're going to talk about one thing in particular, and it has to do with um, learning from someone that's older, wiser, someone who's just farther down the track than you. And in the church world, we call this discipleship, okay? Discipleship is just this thing where if you as a Christian want to grow, you kind of need someone older, wiser, farther down the road to kind of teach you and coach you on what to do. Now, uh, this is a personal opinion. I firmly believe personally experienced it, but I've seen it in other people's lives, I firmly believe that if you want to grow as a Christian, this is tied for first place on one of the most impactful things that you can do in your life. Like, discipleship is so impactful if you want to grow as a Christian. And so tonight, um, what we're going to do is, uh, we're, we're going to kind of talk about necessarily, not necessarily like what it is, but more like, what's the point of it? How do you do it? Who is it for? Why should we do this? And so uh, here is the big idea for tonight. It's the lens that we're going to kind of read everything through is this, that the goal of discipleship is godliness and multiplication. The goal of discipleship is godliness and multiplication. And so we're, our, we're in the book of Mark, and Mark is uh, specifically this series we've titled just Jesus, King and Servant, because we just kind of want to know, what did he do? Like, who is Jesus? And like, why did he come here? What, did, what was the whole point of this? But then why does this matter to us? Like, why should any of this impact how we live tonight or tomorrow morning? And so a couple weeks ago, we, we started the book of Mark by talking about how following Jesus isn't easy. Like, it's really, really hard, but it's not complicated. Like, following Jesus is just saying, like, a simple yes. Just, hey, whatever you want with my life, Jesus, it's all yours. So it's hard, but it's not complicated. You don't have to add all these extra rules. So that's what we talked about week one. And then last week, we said that Jesus was doing all these crazy miracles. But the greatest miracle that Jesus could do in your life is forgive your sins. Like, Jesus coming to the earth to forgive sins was one of the main reasons why he came in the first place. And so the greatest thing that Jesus could do in your life is forgive your sins. And so this week we are in Mark chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 13. And so Jesus is doing the miracles. Like he's going from town to town. He has this huge crowd following him wherever he's going. He's healing people. He's preaching. He's casting out demons. He's doing all this cool stuff. And then Mark 3, 13 is where we start. And this is what it says. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. And so, 
the whole message tonight, the big idea, what we're talking about is that discipleship, the, the, the whole goal, the purpose of discipleship is godliness and multiplication. So that, those are our two points, the whole thing. We're, we're going to talk about how the goal of discipleship is godliness and the goal of discipleship is multiplication. So number one, take a note, the goal of discipleship is godliness. Super, super simple. But it made me think while, while you know, in studying this, is you have this whole crowd following Jesus, but then he kind of pauses and stops and he says, hey, you 12 though, you, you come over here. And this made me think like, why did Jesus bring 12 out of a crowd? And I kind of, like scripture it tells us a little bit later, we'll get to it, that Jesus kind of, he would teach wherever he went, but then he pulled these, these 12 guys to almost be like a private coach, like a, like a personal trainer. He's like, hey, like, sure, I'm teaching them all this stuff, but I'm going to give you guys like a little bit extra. Like, and the whole point of that is for the, the purpose of he's trying to teach them how to be an even better follower of Jesus than he could if he was teaching the whole crowd. And so in, in chapter four, I'm just going to summarize pretty much the whole thing is that like chapter four is Jesus uh, preaching and teaching and this story, like all these stories called uh, parables, okay? So parables were intentionally complicated to understand, okay? And Jesus even said that. He said, I'm going to teach you guys in parables so you guys don't understand. But in Mark 4.33, uh, sorry, Mark 4.34, this is what he said. Uh, he did not speak to them, that's talking about the crowd, without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And so the reason why Jesus kind of had these 12 outside of the whole crowd is so that he could almost be like this private tutor. He could explain to them everything that he didn't explain to the crowd to intentionally teach them about how to be a better follower of Jesus. And so really, like one of the primary reasons why discipleship exists is so that we can learn from someone older, from someone wiser, someone farther down the road in their faith than us so uh, the word disciple, it literally means learner. And so all of us, we're, we're all going to try to learn something from this person, uh, from whoever is discipling us, whoever is leading us. But the point of what are they trying to lead you to do? What are, they, what are we trying to learn? The whole thing is how to be a better follower of Jesus. And that word is called godliness. Like the word godliness is just like how to be more like Jesus, how to be more like God. And so the whole point of discipleship, why would someone try to lead you and teach you is so you can learn how to be a better follower of Jesus. And so in discipleship, you can learn all of these things. Like you can learn, um, they're called spiritual disciplines. It's like how to study and how to read the Bible. Like, sure, you can open up a Bible and you can just read it. But a lot of times, I don't know if you ever felt this, but you, when, sometimes when you do that, you're just kind of lost. It's like, what does this mean? And who is that guy? And, and you know, all, all these things. Like, that's what happens when we just read the Bible, but to have someone teach us how to study the Bible, that's different. In discipleship, we get to learn how to pray. Sure, like most of us know how to pray in some way, shape, or form, but then it's like asking these questions. Is there a right, right, a right way to pray? Is there a wrong way to pray? Do I pray in Jesus' name? Do I pray to the Father? Do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? Why do those people pray like that? Like discipleship is where you get those things to learn from someone else how to do the Christian stuff. Um, in discipleship, we get to learn of like, what is the gospel? But then like more than that, like 
how do you share the gospel with someone else? There's only so much that we can do in, this, in a space like this, but to have someone intentionally be like, okay, but like, let me teach you, like privately, like let me show you what it looks like to be a Christian. What about giving? How much money do I give? Am I supposed to give before taxes or after taxes? What about my tax return? Do I give my back? Am I supposed to give my birthday money? Like, like all of these questions, get answered in discipleship. Am I supposed to go to church? Does Saturday night service count? You know, what about a Wednesday night service? Does that count? Am I supposed to serve there? Like all of these things are what discipleship is for. But let's not lose sight of that. If Jesus literally cares about all of our aspects of life, then discipleship is also the place that we get to learn how to be like a good brother or a good sister or a good son or a good daughter or kind of in, in my personal kind of like life situation, discipleship is how I learn how to be a good husband. I get to learn from someone further along how to be a good husband or how to be a good wife or how to be a good father, how to be a good mother, like all of those things. Like we get to learn how to just handle our money, not just when it comes to giving money to the church, but how much am I supposed to put into savings? Like, how am I supposed to just be generous with? Like, does that count? How much am I supposed to give to the church? Like, all of these things, all of these areas, just navigating hard life situations, all gets to be done through discipleship. We get to learn from someone wiser than us. And so, notice, though, that Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to teach you how to be a follower of Jesus. Instead, he, he kind of says this. He invites them to be with him. That's what it says in, in Mark 13. I'm just going to go back for a second because I think I want to just quickly read it. It says, he appointed the 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. And guys, like, you know this. It's easy. It, um, it's a little hard to remember everything that gets caught up in here, especially if your mind's somewhere else. You know, I get it. It's, it's hard for you. Like, you can take the best notes, and you still won't remember everything. But it's a different experience when you can watch someone live it out right? It's one thing for me to say, hey, you should be patient. But then if you get to see me be patient or not be patient, then it's like, oh, that, that's what you mean. Or that's what I'm not supposed to mean. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's inviting them from the crowd saying, hey, I want you to come like live with me. I want you to see my life. I want you to see you know, what it's like whenever there's traffic going into the city. I want you to know, I want you to see my bedtime routine. I want you to see what happens when I stub my toe. I want you to see, you know, like, like all of these things. Like imagine Jesus at at an awkward family dinner. Like he's being like, hey, I want you guys to see that. I can teach you how to go through an awkward family dinner or I can invite you to the family dinner. You can see how, you know, how awkward Thanksgiving is. And that is what's crazy. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, sermons are great. He's, he's not, like, negating that. He's still teaching them intentionally, but he's saying, I want you guys to watch me instead. And that is discipleship. So, yes, sermons, intentional teaching are important, but sharing your life with someone is where we really get to see what someone is made of. And so, uh, even last night, we, <laughs> a student came over, uh, we just made dinner, but then we made bread afterwards. And it's not like we tried a new when, when you make bread, you have to let it sit and you let it rise and that's how like doubles the size and gives all the definite measurements and stuff. Well, when you let bread rise, it should be in a warm place because that's just how bread is here. It's supposed to just stay there forever. However, we found out if it's too warm, it halfway bakes the bread. So then you'll get like this dough form out and then like a crust on the bottom. It's like it literally baked the bottom of it and there's like a dough inside. It was awful. And so 
in that situation, when Lydia said, hey, I need you to come up here and take the bread. And I look at the bread. I can either say, like this thing back here, I, I'm supposed to be taking the bread. Or I can flip out and be like, this is the most beastly thing you've ever done. Kill me, kill me. And so what we did, we actually just scraped it up. We like made them with bread from a different planet. And they weren't the best. They weren't bad, but they weren't the best. But going back to the whole like thing of it, I can either teach you, hey, this is what it does. This, this is how you increase your faith when you fight for this stuff. Because the bread doesn't work out the way it's supposed to. Or you can see what happens to when there's no bread there. You know, like that's, that's the whole point. It's like you can either, I can teach you that or you can shut it down. And this is not just here in the Bible, but in 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, verse 7. That's one of my favorite passages gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her infant children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own ourselves, because you had become very dear to us. So notice that Paul, is, he's saying, yes, share the gospel, teach them what, how to do the Christian stuff, but share your life with them. Let them, like, and, and this is what it looks like practically, like, I, literally, I had a, the guy who intentionally discipled me when I was going through college. He was like, hey, I'm going to the Gulf of Tonga to live. Fuck you, right? I Literally, he shared his life with me so I got to see how he bought groceries. When, when it was just a casual dinner, it's, that is discipleship. You, I can either learn through being taught, and I'm writing notes down, or I can watch, and I can literally see, oh, that's how you do that. That's how you interact, you know, with your, with your wife is what we're talking about when it comes to discipleship. And this is the last thing, and this is when it comes to uh, this kind of this, this first point, is that when, with discipleship, with inviting someone to kind of follow your life, there is something super terrifying and super special, something super crazy that you literally kind of tell someone, like you are the person who's doing the discipling and you're messing up their life. Get to tell a person, hey, I want you to follow my example. I want you to follow me. I want you to follow after my life as I follow Jesus. Hey, you were the person that's being discipled. You're, you're the person asking an older, wiser person, hey, I want to follow you. It's like you're saying, I love your walk with Jesus so much, I want my walk to, to look like your walk. Man, you love Jesus so much, I want to love Jesus like you love Jesus. And so what you're doing is just being like, hey, whatever it takes, I'm going to shape my life look like your life because of how you love me. And this is literally biblical. This is one of the most terrifying verses. It's 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. It says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Imagine that. Imagine telling someone, I want you to follow me as I am following Jesus. Like, that's insane. And so one, it's a gut check being like, man, am I really like following Jesus like that? Or this spot where it's like, I know I'm doing everything possible. I'm, I'm in a healthy relationship with Jesus. Like everything in my life is being like, hey, you know what? I mess up, but I'm quick to repent. Like I'm following Jesus with everything. Then you get to invite someone in and be like, hey, do it like this. I don't have it all figured out, but I'm, I'm just a couple steps down. I want you to follow me as I'm following Jesus. And that is the whole point 
like of discipleship. It's not to make, you know, more Collins. It's not to make more Lukes or other Lukes or, you know, it's not the, it's not to make more of us. It's to make more Jesus's But the whole point is, hey, I want you to be like Jesus. So just follow my life because I'm trying to follow Jesus. That is discipleship. So a couple things just to recap before we go to our second point. Why should anyone want to be discipled? Simply is because if you don't think, if, if you believe, hey, I have areas to grow in with my walk with Jesus, then you get to invite someone to that, hey, I follow you. To learn how to follow Jesus better from a person who just knows more than you. And what this does, though, is this requires humility. If you don't think you have anywhere to grow, then sure, I understand why you don't want to be discipled. Really, like, if you think you're good to go, I don't know where I can improve, then sure, I get why you don't want to be discipled. But if you're like, I don't have it all figured out. I need to be led by someone. This is why you should be discipled. Second question, who should be discipled? Someone, like, who, who who would you want to model your life after? It's This should be someone that you trust to lead you to be more like Jesus. But also more than that, it should be someone that you are willing to submit your whole life to and say, hey, I want my life to look like Jesus. That is the person who should disciple you. And then the last question is just how should you be discipled? And there's two aspects. One is, is the are you intentionally seeking to grow? That is important. It's biblical. I'm not going to like to just go around saying, yes, there should be this part where you're just going, hey, are you seeking to grow? But the other half of that is we get to be discipled by sharing our lives with others. That person, whoever's discipling you, should invite you into their life. Um, we actually, as, as a church, we just launched this thing last year called Starting Point. And Starting Point is our church's kind of curriculum, if you want to call it that, that we are using to take um, people, not just students, but all around, church-wide, is the, that is the thing that we are using to kind of, it's a seven-week thing that's going to be our teaching thing, saying, hey, I want to teach you about this. I want to teach you about this. I want to make sure we're on the same page. And the greatest thing about it is it's not like there's anything super groundbreaking that's in those seven weeks, but what that does do is that builds a relationship with a leader, but it also allows you to have amazing conversations built off of just specific topics. And so if you are interested in going through something like that, like our church literally does have something for you. Cool? Um, but more than that, like I want to make sure that we're all on the same page that our church is not the end-all be-all, okay? Like, so if you want to be discipled by somebody and that person's not in this room or even at this church, like, go for it. We ain't got it all figured out. Like, I ain't trying to hog people. No, I want every person who's committed to being more like Jesus to find someone they're willing to submit to. If that person's in here, great, ask them after service. But if they're not here, then go ask them later, okay? So whatever it is, if you're committed to following Jesus, go be led by someone, okay? But here's point number two, the second goal of discipleship. The first one, godliness. The second one, multiplication. The whole purpose of discipleship is multiplication, okay? So let's just assume, let's, let's paint this picture. Every single student is being discipled by you, okay? What would that look like? 
so far, every, every single person that's attending the Rise Against Poverty Day comes from Rise Against Poverty. And we just get to learn a whole lot about how to make money and make money and make money. What's that going to look like? We're going to have a lot of really smart Christians here. And what else are we going to do? We'll know, how, we'll know how to read the Bible. We'll be able to use like big words for stuff like exegete and all, all that good stuff. Right. But then what, what does that mean for church people who are like just living in Pastor's not busy talking. Um, <laughs> Miss Malcolm, that's what Jesus meant. But either way, like, I mean, sure, it's like, is that the point of discipleship is to know all these amazing words? No, that's not the whole point of it. The whole point of discipleship is to uh, literally follow Jesus more. And Jesus actually says this. Um, let's go back to, uh, I didn't pull it in the notes because I didn't have any, but it's uh, going back to Mark 3.13, uh, sorry, verse 15. It says that he invited the 12 that they might be with him and he might send them out to what? So Jesus, he didn't call these guys and say like, hey, I want you guys to get really cool stats, know a whole bunch of stuff, and we'll be good. Instead, he says, hey, I want you to follow me. We're not, not to form the spiritual clique, you know, us four, no more. Like, not just so that we have, like, this cool friend group. No, I want you to come in, learn from me, watch my life, and I'm going to send you away. So you can go replicate what you saw me do. And that is the crazy thing about discipleship. Friends, like, right now, January 18th, 2023, we are having this conversation because Jesus told some disciples, those disciples told somebody, and those disciples told somebody, and those disciples probably hopped on a boat or a plane, and, and they flew over here, and then they t- probably told somebody, and then a couple hundred years later, like, we are having this conversation today, literally about discipleship, because that is the point of discipleship. It, it was not just to learn, it's been to go, and that is what this is all, the whole thing is talking about. So yes, like, let's, let's teach, and uh, let's hang out, let's do life together. But then, part of that whole thing of discipleship is then the encouragement, who are you going to go disciple? It's not just to hang out here. It's to then go. Go to your school. Go to your, you know, your future families. Like, go out and go make disciples. Jesus literally says this in, in Matthew 28, 19. This is the last thing before he leaves and goes to heaven. He says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus is talking to every Christian at that time. So not just the 12, he's talking to every single person who's following him. And he's saying, hey, go and make disciples. Not go and, and just share the gospel. That's part of it. Not just go and, and be a good citizen, pay your taxes. That's part of it. You're not just saying go and make sure that you're helping old ladies across the street. That's, that's probably part of it. He's saying go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you are a disciple of Jesus, then like he's being like, hey, go get dunked. And then it says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teaching is part of discipleship. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like Jesus is being like, hey, this is for all of us. This isn't just for the, for the 12. This is for all of us. If you are a disciple or a follower of Jesus, go make disciples. This is also in, in 2 Timothy 3.2. Um, this is what it says. What you have heard from me. So this is Paul talking right now. Paul, he's saying, Hey, what you guys have heard from me, he's talking to this guy named Timothy, in the presence of all these witnesses, I need what, what you learned from me, I want you to entrust to faithful men 
who will be able to teach others also. So check this out. Let's be like, so let's say Jesus taught me, I'm Paul. I'm telling Timothy. Timothy's going to go tell other people, and then those other people are going to go tell other people. You see the multiplication aspect of discipleship. In this one verse, you have four generations of Christians from this one verse. And so if there's a part of discipleship that you, in your head that you don't have to tell anybody about anything, that's not an accurate view of discipleship. So I don't give a rip what your personality is. I don't give, you know, I don't care what, you know, character traits you have or what gifts or talents. I'm not a good speaker. I don't care what your astrology sign is, your Enneagram number, whatever profile you want to throw into the lake. I don't care. Jesus says, if you're a disciple of me, I need you to go make disciples. That's it. There isn't an exception for that. This is also the, the most encouraging. There's a reason why at the end of, of Matthew uh, 28, he says, hey, and I'm with you always, because he already knows that you're already going to have doubts. You're like, this, I can't do that. He's saying, I'm with you always, so then go. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, is one who's going to you know, literally like be committed to learn and follow and love God more, to learn about how to be a better follower of Jesus, so then go tell other people how to be a better this is discipleship. The whole point is to be led or to be taught by someone else how to be more like Jesus and then go and make disciples of them. So here are my, my three questions as we close. My first question. Uh, this is specifically to you, students. Do you want to grow your relationship with specifically to the leaders, okay? I don't typically usually preach, you know, to the leaders, but I'm, I'm going to take a little time out. Um, who are you going to ask to follow you as you follow Jesus? We are all called to make disciples. Who are you going to ask to follow Jesus? Not the exact same standard. Who are we going to ask to follow us? Like, who, who are we going to ask for us to follow Jesus? Because none of us have made it. None of us have ever gotten to the point where it's like, oh, you know what? I think I'm proven now. Like, I'm, I'm good. No, like, that's, that's extremely prideful to be like, oh, man, I'm set. I know, sure, like, seasons will look a little different, but there's something about 
submitting your life to someone whose only life is farther along in their journey for them to kind of challenge their view on how to navigate the hardship that they have or go through other things in life that are challenging them. Amen? You are a Christian. Okay, let's do this. That's the whole point. This is the only reason why we exist. Does that make sense? Be a disciple of the Lord. whether you're just like, I don't really want to give my whole life to God, whether you're just like, there's no way on earth this thing is real, like, like wherever you're at, but here's the crazy thing. Here's what I'm going to tell you, that the evidence that Jesus loves you so much, that he loves you so much that he was willing to do all of these crazy things, like, like come, come to the earth, the king of the universe and then become a servant and literally serve humanity, die on a cross, spoiler alert, and then be raised from the dead a couple days later. Like the whole point of all of that and you being able to hear that message, you know, how 10,000 miles away from the city of Jerusalem, the fact that you're hearing that message tonight right now is the fact that God is doing everything to kind of orchestrate all these pieces to hear, for you to hear it tonight. Be like, hey, I love you and I want to heard this message before, but this is the truth. All of us, from the leader to the student, our worst sinners that we could possibly imagine, that Jesus is the greatest Savior that we could possibly have in our lives. If you surrender your life to Jesus, you believe that he was who he said he was, did what he said he did, for the unbelievers in the room, and, and, and you know you know who they are. God, like, you love them so much, so much more than I possibly could, so much more than their small group leaders could, so much more than just anyone else in this world. God, you love them so much. If they don't know that, God, I pray that you would open their eyes to see what you did for them on the cross. I pray for the, for the believers, for those who are committed to 